everybody and welcome to the Jerick show running a bit late today it's one of those cases where i were got caught up on another call and then I, I keep getting these notifications on my phone and eventually i look at it and it's eric saying where are you where are you and uh, if he had hair it would have been on fire but you know thankfully he's bald welcome to the Jerick show featuring your hosts javad malik and eric crone Timely topics poorly presented. You're going to start this off by talking about me being bald. What's that behind you, Javad? Turn around real quick, would you? See what's behind you. <laughs> I see a Your hairline is receding faster <laughs> than the French army in battle. <laughs> Yours is doing it just from the back forward and so you you've managed to pull a couple of years of uh of being able to play this game <laughs> wow wow you really want to go uh, into that like that <laughs> oh goodness how you been man you know we we didn't do the show last week did you know javad this is our 97th show wow um so did the judge say I'm free to leave after I've done 100 shows with you? I <laughs> no, can't not at all. this anymore. <clears throat> not at all. But here's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm here. Well, it's interesting to some people. I'm here in Dallas right now. That's hence the lovely hotel background. Um, and we're doing the, it's called the podcast movement. And it's a, a pretty good size podcast conference. Um, there's about 10 tracks running, uh, like 3,000 people, something like that. It's a good size conference. But we watched one of the, the things yesterday, and they had some really good statistics and metrics out there about podcasting. And um, the kind of the number one time that people quit podcasting is the after the first episode. The number two time is after the 50th episode because they've gone a year and they've said, you know what? This is a lot of work. I'm not getting where I want to be. And they throw in the towel. But we're about to double that, man, which means we can never stop. That's that's what I'm taking out of this. Wow. You took a long time to make no point. I thought you were going to come with a tornado of information right now. And, um, you know, you sort of like, as always, you severely disappoint me. But I think <laughs> it's a testament to just how pig-headed we are. And how we just don't take no for an answer. Yeah. We're willing to put our heads against a brick wall for as long as it takes. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not. I, I'm going to regret saying this, but I really enjoy these morning chats with you that we get to have once a week. I mean, that's really, I think, why um, we we can continue to do this. That and it's really low effort, as you can tell from the production. I wish it was low effort for me, but honestly, you tire me out. Oh, anyway, <laughs> researchers find counterfeit phones with backdoor to hack WhatsApp accounts. This is not a counterfeit app we're talking about on the Play Store or anything. This is an actual phone. Yeah, there that were like um, there were several of them that that they found with stuff on them already set up to go get WhatsApp uh, oh. stuff, and you know. <sighs> We've talked about this in the past. Um, as individuals, we, you know, in here, we don't necessarily use WhatsApp. Not everybody uses WhatsApp the way they do it in other places. I think over in Europe, like you probably use it a lot more than a lot of Americans do. 
but it is a very, very popular chat app. And one of the things that it was originally uh, touted a lot about it was the end-to-end -end encryption and how it was fairly secure communication. Maybe not to the level of signal or something like that, but it was touted as being secure. And so this is just another, uh, another opportunity for bad actors to be able to get in there and get into these conversations that people think are secure. And there's some some sensitive stuff talked about over WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah. Even over here, the many ministers and even our departing prime minister uh, were caught having conversations on WhatsApp, and it was, you know, talking about government stuff that is not not just personal stuff. And, and the copy editor in me is like, like, why is this sentence ending with comma was, and then there's nothing after that? This is such a poorly written one. Hacker News, get some copy editors. They don't cost much in your part of the world. Anyway. Uh, oh, dear cookies. Uh, cyber attacks disrupt services at a French hospital. Demand 10 million ransom. I will pay double that if you keep the French hospitals down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Sorry. yeah. A little I... jab at my French friends. We love you, really. I mean, yeah. where, where else would we get our croissants from? If uh, you were amazing pastries, you know, yes. um, I always said I would love to visit Paris if all of the French would leave for a day or two. Uh, you know, the <laughs> thing about Paris is that I think Paris nurtures a certain type of French that even other people in French don't like. Yeah, it's like New York Paris. City, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a bit like that, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, but it, stereotypes. Please uh, tell us about the story. <laughs> What's happening here in this hospital? Uh, well, we kind of read it there. Basically, this uh, hospital hit with ransomware, locked everything down again. Um, a ten million dollar ransom, which is a pretty significant ransom, um, but they're saying no, we're we're not going to pay this, which I like to see. But it, it's a reminder, like I haven't seen a whole lot of hospital or medical stories on this lately uh, with ransomware, but organizations like that are really vulnerable. And a lot of them, because they need to get up and running very quickly, they're more motivated than some others to pay the ransoms because, I mean, if you don't have medical records, you don't have any of that, um, no surgeon is going to do a surgery without being able to review the medical records. Anesthesiologists are not putting someone under unless they can tell what's going on and see those records. So it really does cripple hospitals when they can't get to that. They can do the day-to-day -day stuff, and it looks like they're they're resorting to pen and paper here uh, for a lot of things, but that's going to be the day-to-day -day just kind of like keeping people moving sort of thing. So anyways. Can you believe this? There was like in France, there were 380 hospitals targeted last year wow now you know i always wonder about those numbers javad when they say targeted right does that mean 380 hospitals got a, a phishing email or yeah. something you know like Reports it doesn't it. tell the story of of how seriously they were targeted um, yeah yeah and and do just france even have 380 hospitals that's that's what i wonder or was it the same <laughs> one just targeted every week <laughs> Well, and it's saying, uh, what is it? It's saying cyber attacks targeting hospitals. Um, there were 380 cyber attacks targeting hospitals, not necessarily different hospitals. Yeah, well, that's lovely. I have no idea why you clicked on that. I just said France. I thought it might have a list of all the, the um, 
the stories and said it's got pictures of Macron everywhere. Okay, so this yeah, has been the story that has got the InfoSec Twitterati up in arms all week. I've been following this uh, with great interest because there have been some really interesting takes, some good takes, and some absolutely horrible takes um, on this. Well, I'm going to so, let you cover this a little bit because this is day 10 for me on the road. And frankly, I haven't, I, I've seen it, but I haven't gotten into the nitty gritty. So thank you for actually doing something here. Okay. So uh, most people are familiar with Peter Zatko, I, or affectionately known as Mudge. He Mudge. was one of Loft Heavy Industries, one of those first people. If you remember the old picture from the, when, when they're all giving testimony in Congress, like there's Mudge, there's Space Road, there's world pond there's you know all the whole crew was there yeah and so he's been around for a long time and he's a legit security researcher yeah old school hacker you know why have you very well respected i've i've not heard anyone within the industry say anything bad about him he's worked in respectable jobs he's worked for the nsa or google and the you know, guy knows whatever. what he's doing yeah unlike some I of the know security what he's doing. that's yeah. that's where i that's where i'm leading with this yeah um now, he was hired as the head or the chief security, chief of security, not the CISO. The CISO was this other lady whose name I forget. But he was hired directly by Dorsey, Jack Dorsey, Twitter CEO, co-founder. I remember when that happened, yeah. And then Dorsey kind of like was absent for a while and then... Agarwal became the CEO of Twitter. Apparently, there's been some personality clashes between them. So, like most large organizations, there are a whole bunch of security issues. Now, I think Mudge was trying to fix them, but he was frustrated by the inability or the unwillingness of the organization to fix them. That's not really the main issue here because vulnerabilities and unpacked software and all that kind of stuff exists. I think he took exception to the fact that he's an exec in the company and he felt that the company was deliberately misleading or lying to the board and to their shareholders and to the regulators about their state of security, you know, how seriously they take issues, what they're incentivized to fix and not. So he wrote a, uh, he, as a whistleblower, he he reported it as this is, uh, there are a whole bunch of these issues. They've been yeah. around for a long time. There's no willingness to fix them. So when the company says to their board or shareholders that, hey, we are doing everything within our power, this is a lie. And I can't bear to have my name associated with that. Yeah. Well, and they were already smacked around years ago um, and yeah. were supposed to have improved things. And from what I've read here, he's basically saying it's all smoke and mirrors. They didn't really improve a damn thing, even though they had this, I think it was an FTC ruling or something. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been lots of issues with it over the years. And to many aspects, I can understand or I can accept that Twitter has had issues because it was a company that was founded as a small like gimmick almost like send a text message an sms message with yeah, yeah. yeah limited characters this up yeah no one at that stage when you're building the initial infrastructure or even when you're going through growth 
could have predicted how big it would have become and how crucial to influencing governments and markets and public opinion yeah. it would become. Yeah, so that's a key of, right there, man, is, yeah. is it's buried itself down in that influencing piece and has become something with a tremendous amount of power to do that influencing. It has. I mean, Elon Musk can just tweet about a particular cryptocurrency and influence the value almost immediately. And hey, you remember um, when the AP's Twitter account got taken over when uh, Barack Obama was in, uh, yeah, in the White yeah. House and they said there was an explosion. Well, our stock market like tanked for a little while after like it was short, but that was just from a single tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Twitter is like kind of globally one of the the de facto immediate news sources. People, you know, citizen journalism really took off. And so it's it's a massive thing. So while you can appreciate the 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 legacy of the foundation software wasn't built for this it now is in this position where it needs to take security seriously yeah yeah whether they and like it or not they're in this whether place. they like it or not and they shouldn't <laughs> be lying about their security uh so so i think that's the the real real issue whether mudge and agarwal had personal issues or personality clashes, whether or not the latest service pack should be updated or not. You know, these are like the underlying kind of issues that the yeah. real issue is like, you know, are you taking your uh, responsibilities? Uh, seriously? It, it was more systemic and cultural, the culture of the organization, I think that that kind of triggered this from what I saw. And, and like you said, I mean, it's one thing we've, we've all worked in places where we've, um, maybe not had the smoothest relationship with coworkers or something. Um, and that's fine. We can live through that. We can work through that. But when something like this is going on and, and an ethical person is seeing some potentially um, untruthful things being said to shareholders, to the public, to all of those people, um, a lot of times that will spark them to do that. Further redacted for Congo. Oh, you're looking whistleblower stuff here, huh? So, so this is the uh, the actual filing that that Mudge put in. You can see it's under whistleblower. It's not like he went to the New York Times directly yeah, and said, yeah. "I've got a scoop." It was from there. It was then leaked to the Washington Post, I believe, and that's why then he's gone public with it. Otherwise, it was never his intention. And ironically, though, there's supposed to be protections for whistleblowers, and yet he's been yes. terminated um and and i don't know the chain of events for that was he terminated and then filed or what but uh i mean yeah. he's putting it all out there in public this is not like a little i'm pissed at these guys and so i'm gonna i'm gonna make some comments or something this is no. in public and and this is like you know 84 page document right here we can put this in the in the show notes somewhere um but it, it it's got lots of lots of information and i i i'd say this is like a, a good good document to read because you get the source and and, and the real yeah. information now related to this and correct me if i'm wrong but you know you read a, a lot of books about how to start your career as a CISO or a security exec kind of thing and there's lots of books that tell you like the first 90 days or the first 103, you know, 180 days or whatever you'd like how to do it. I think 
and inspired by these events, I think we could write a book called The Last 90 Days. Because CISOs, The Last 90 Days, How to Fail Upwards as a CISO. And so what you do, you lay the play-by-play -play out as to what you do on your last 90 days. You start collecting information, you start like reporting stuff, you start, you know, uh, you know, dissing, you know, collecting the, the dirt and, and everything. And then you can go out and say, hey, I was doing a good thing. Interesting. Um, I, I don't think that will work, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of my situations at a past employer and uh, it was a total crap show for uh, a while uh, towards the end. And I was so busy, honestly, just trying to get projects rolling that I was very passionate about because the writing was on the wall. Um, <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, um, I didn't know when my last 90 days would have started because my last day was uh, chatting with somebody and uh, my boss walked by and said, hey, can you swing by the office? And uh, they informed me that my position was eliminated while I was in it. Oops. So I don't know that uh, being able to say the last 90 days is uh, is something necessarily that uh, that anyone's going to know. For someone like you, you're always on your last 90 days. Anything above that is a bonus. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, I try to pull out a real good win yeah. that kind of resets the clock, right, and keeps it going. That's what you need to do. I think everyone should be working on, under that premise. It's I'm on a 90-day scale here. You know what um, I'd rather anyway. do is I'd rather write a book about um, I don't know ways to thrive and survive in cybersecurity. I know, I know that would be such a good book. It might be out soon. Wink, wink. Yes, maybe by a hundredth episode, maybe not. Anyway, LastPass <laughs> developers system developer systems hacked to steal source code. So LastPass made a good, um, well, I think responsible disclosure. Uh, every, users have been getting emails saying that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they found some untoward uh, sort of activity in one of their, in their developer environment, and some of their source code has probably been stolen. Uh, so that's not any of user data. That's none of our master passwords. That's none of our vaults. But it's source code that someone could then either use to create a competitor or they could uh, unpick and say, oh, there's a vulnerability. We could use that to uh, breach. And, and that's, that's a key, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here's, a, here's a copy of the letter on screen. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think the, you know, there's, there's no immediate concern for end users. It's probably more of a headache for LastPass itself. Um, as password managers become more and more popular, they're going to inevitably become more of an attack, uh, sort of yeah. like a, 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 an avenue to attack. So I think an advisory like this going out and letting people know what's happening and being transparent and honest is the only way you can actually maintain that trust or that integrity within your product. Because this is one of those products, uh, like a lot of security things, but especially for, for, for consumers and what have you, a password manager is built on trust, and if you yeah. lose the trust or confidence of your of your audience, then oh, customer base, then you, that that's game over for you. So I think this is a good move from uh, LastPass to inform, even though there was nothing for the average user to to do in this uh, context. Uh, and also, 
kudos to them for actually detecting stuff in the dev environment as well. Yeah, you know, I, so this isn't the first time LastPass has made the news over some sort of a breach. And, you know, as much as I love, you know, I love these uh, these password managers. I really, really do think it's one of the best things you can do to secure your stuff is to use a password manager. So you have unique, secure passwords for all of your sites. No reuse, none of that crap. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they, they were breached before, but all of the encryption that happens here happens on your, your local side before it's ever put up to them for storage. Um, what I don't want to do is see things like this degrade that trust that people have, you know, and, and then they'll fall back to using the Google Chrome browser, um, you know, the, the password feature there, which is what led to the breach at Cisco. Right. Um, and we get those questions all the time. Oh, well, what about this? Will that work instead? And yeah, one thing's, hey, it's James. What do you know? Dallas. Hey, right. No, that's right. He's here with me. Oh, hey. Oh, right. All right. Hello. All right. Man, I didn't see these uh, comments coming in. Hi, Reggie. How are you? Thanks for joining us. One job, Eric. One job. I <laughs> hey, man, I've been popping up the little uh, lower third thing. So, um, but anyways, uh, I, I think it's important that uh, that we use these things and that we're prepared for people to ask about this. Because anytime it makes the news like this, eventually at some conference I'm speaking at or something, someone's going to come up to me and go, well, yeah, but, you know, last pass this or last pass that. We need to be, be able to, not just for the sake of defending last pass itself, but password managers in general, we need to be able to address that. It's Friday. Yeah, Red. <laughs> so, yeah, Reggie said it's Friday. It is. It's Friday, right? And what better way to end up a show than say Friday than kicking Eric out of the room? As always, uh, thank you everyone for joining us on our 90 something episode. I have no idea. I need to verify that's true uh, or, or not. I'll, I'll, or if someone could go back and count all the episodes that have been published, that would be great. So until next week, uh, hopefully we will see you then and stay secure, my friends. Goodbye.